0: Backstage Pass Radio is now a global podcast heard in 70 countries around the world. Our newly formed partnership with Signad Outdoor has us seeing great traction in Texas and Louisiana. Since Signad's beginnings in 1964, this family-owned and operated advertising company has become the largest independently held billboard company in Texas today. SignAd prides itself on unbeatable service and turnaround time. Let their experienced design team create the perfect advertisement to showcase your business. Contact SignAd today at 713 861 6013. And also make sure to visit their website at www.signad.com and tell them Backstage Pass Radio sent ya.
1: I'm going to treat you guys to a little something different today. This will be the third bonus episode I've done since starting the show back in February of 2021. Hey, everyone, it's Randy Holsey with Backstage Pass Radio. And today I'm joined by a five-time Olympic medalist speed skater and now a successful real estate entrepreneur in the greater Houston area. And I will take you guys from gold to sold with Chad Hedrick, and we'll do that right after this.
0: This is Backstage Pass Radio, the podcast that's designed for the music junkie with a thirst for musical knowledge. Hi, this is Adam Gordon, and I want to thank you all for joining us today. Make sure you like, subscribe, and turn alerts on for this and all upcoming podcasts. And now, here's your host of Backstage Pass Radio, Randy Halsey.
1: Chad, good to see you, buddy. How are you,
2: man? Doing great, doing great. Just uh, wrangling these kids. Got, <laughs> got three kids in the house and uh, just, just staying busy with work and being a father and a husband, it's, uh, it's a full-time job.
1: I was going to say you go to a full-time job and then you come home to another one, right?
2: <laughs> that's right, that's yeah.
1: right. How is the family? All the kids are good, everybody's well. Um, I, I'm assuming, you know, we, I think, you know, there's some members in my family that just kind of went through the whole COVID thing. Hopefully that hasn't struck your house, but, uh, everybody Uh, well these days,
2: uh, we've been blessed to be really healthy and, uh, you know, been married for 15 years now and, uh, three kids are 13, 12 and eight. So, uh, you know, a lot of good times and and just trying to live it up and, and, soak them in.
1: Good. That sounds great. I wanted to go back some years to spring, Texas, other than skating growing up, talk to the listeners about other sports. Were you involved in other sports growing up as a kid in spring, or was it just pretty much skates all the time for you?
2: Well, I'm looking at your studio there with all these guitars and stuff. This is probably a little, a little different for them to hear uh, from somebody such as myself, but uh, we're going to try to have some fun tonight. Absolutely, man. Um, yeah, I grew up in North Houston, and uh, my dad owned a roller rink uh, since I was born, and so instead of uh, hiring a babysitter, I, I hung out around my dad's business, and my mom and dad kind of operated their business as I learned how to skate, in fact. I learned how to walk on a pair of skates when I was about sixteen months old. Okay. And grew up there. It was kind of the cool place to be. I know everybody remembers going to the roller rink and, and having a good time and, you know, maybe getting your first kiss or you meeting the girls <laughs> up there, all that good stuff. Right. Um, that was my life. And, you know, I had a pocket full of tokens and and uh playing video games and, and speed skating all day. And that's that's what I love to do from a really young age. So I was kind of born into it. I have memories of, of just liking to skate fast, so we, my friends and I, we just started the speed skating team at the rink, and we started skating just at our rink there, and then started traveling to different roller rinks around Texas, and pretty soon, uh, we were traveling all across the country, and uh, I was able to win my first national championship at eight years old, and man, I just loved to skate it was second nature to me and uh, a lot of fun That's cool. but along the process along the way um, i had a best friend that moved from canada and i played ice hockey from six years old and ended up uh, quitting uh, at 16 to speed skate full-time i also played tennis and played you know i played several sports baseball tennis didn't play much golf but i do now i was a mover
1: yeah Well, I think, you know, if you're that much of an athlete in the skates, you can't help but do other things growing up, too. You know, I mean, if you're athletic, you're just athletic. I was going to say that you mentioned earlier about skating. This topic of conversation and real estate is a little off topic for my show, for sure. But I didn't mention to you before, but I have a couple of buddies that fight in the UFC. Actually, one is a retired fighter now. One is still in the UFC, and those were my other two bonus episodes oh, cool. that I did and they they did amazingly well like just from a streaming standpoint you know i think um yeah. i think uh, people like some variety, even though I try to keep it, you know, in my little niche, if you if you will. But uh, you want to plug the name of the rink up there? I, I, I'm assuming your your mom and dad still own yeah, the, the rink, right? My mom and
2: dad still own it. They've had a manager that's, that's kind of managed the facility for quite a while. But it's called Skate Champions. It's in spring, right in the spring area. But yeah, uh, believe it or not, people are still skating. They, they line up around the corner. 200, 300 people uh, for Friday and Saturday night skating session and having 30, 40 birthday parties a weekend wow. every every weekend. So it's, it's popular. Yeah. It's definitely uh, just as just as live as it used to be. We're just old fuddy-duddies and we don't know it.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you know what's funny is that you mentioned that about growing up in the rink and getting your first kiss in the rink. I mean, I, I grew up at the skate the Almeida Skate Ranch. That, yeah. that was my place back in the day and there's a guy and you your family you might even know Norm that owns the Bear Creek Roller Rink I know it's a small circle but anyway he owned the um the rink there down in Alameda down 45 right. south but uh you know it was like every Friday and Saturday night that's the only place I can remember ever wanting to be was in the skate room yeah, that's where it, I grew it was up a, it was
2: a lot of fun a lot of fun
1: absolutely um, yeah i wanted to find out if you had this crazy skating ability mm-hmm. just for and I know you started out really early but or was it more something that you had to develop over time I, I'm sure it was a combination of both so I, I don't want I don't want to speak for you but but yeah. talk a little bit about what you were blessed to do and then what you really had to work at as it relates to skating.
2: Well, I can I can kind of relate to the guitar players out there because I tried to learn how to play the guitar years <laughs> ago. Okay, okay, and I picked it up, and I always like to have the nicest equipment, the nicest uh, the nicest stuff. So I know that if I work hard, anything's possible, right? Sure, absolutely. Well, I, I tried to learn how to play the guitar. I think I did it for six months, learned a couple of songs, and I just hit a plateau. I just mm. couldn't do it. Yeah and it kind of defines answers your question there you 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 can have the work ethic and you can do it for many 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 hours mm-hmm. but ultimately you have to have the work ethic and you have to have the skills sure. and in my case i've definitely had the work ethic and uh, god had blessed me with uh with you know, obviously a parent, parents that owned a skating rink, number one, I had uh, access to the best equipment. I had a facility to, to train it. And then, uh, man, I was just blessed with this, with the talent. And I knew from a really, really young age and, you know, you, you can pick up a guitar and, and know if you're sure. ever going to do something or not. Yep. It's uh, it's black or white, right? Yeah. Well, and it's interesting that
1: you say that because I've talked to, People that are local artists, some that you may have even heard of just because we're, you know, local to Houston here. And I've also had four time Hall of Famers on my show. And whether it's skating or whether it's music, these people that get to that level of musicianship or that level of skating or whatever the widget is, whatever the talent is, they know it. And they find it at a very, very early age, right? It's not usually something. Oh, well, it just happened when I was 27 years old, right? I mean, it it starts young, and it sounds like it started very young for you as well.
2: Well, I can tell you, I, I knew I wanted to be the fastest speed skater in the world when I was eight years old. So, um, <laughs> it was it was not a surprise that I I had a road ahead of me. Sure, um, but. I'll tell you, especially in my world, when you're racing people, the work ethic and the talent, but also, I mean, the determination. When you're lined up against somebody and there's, you know, 400 meters or 800 meters left and you're looking at them in the the eyes and you're digging deep for just a little more power, a little more stamina, that is something that uh, was... Was a gift of mine. I was I was really raised that hey, second place was the first loser. Believe it or <laughs> yes. not, and I, I was yes. a very poor sport. My dad instilled that in me. It's it's good and it's bad, sure. but um, at the same time, I wouldn't have done what I did unless I uh, I had that killer instinct.
1: I I don't disagree with you there, and I would have to say because of your age you must have started I, I have to assume that you started in quads right is that yeah, is that so, a f- safe assumption right because i think yeah, the so, uh, the rollerblade or or what became the company rollerblade i don't think yeah. that they came i don't think they commercially introduced the inline skate
2: until yeah, so so, like 87 to,
1: or something like
2: that. Just to put it into perspective here, you know, I, I started on conventional roller skates at 16 months old, skated all growing up, competing, doing all that. In 1993 is when uh, rollerblades came out, inline skates, and we figured out that... Uh, we could skate a lot faster with those, but they weren't the, the skates with the three or four wheels. They were longer five wheel models that, you know, you could grip a little better and you Mm -hmm. had a, a bigger, uh, uh, area to push off of, to create more leverage into the ground. So you could go a lot higher speeds. And then, um, as we'll talk about here soon, you know, I was, I was 10-year reigning world champion from 1994 until 2003 in line skating. All across the world traveled to 42 countries. But every time I told somebody what I did, nobody had a clue what I was talking about. So I had friends that had made the switch to the Olympics and started ice speed skating. And uh, I packed everything up here in Houston and moved to Salt Lake City, Utah, where they had the training facility out there. And it was very, very difficult at the beginning. Yeah. But I had a choice to pack my stuff back up uh, after a couple of weeks and go home or um, really fight. And I mm-hmm. chose to fight. Within six months, I qualified for the national champion, uh, national team, excuse me, and then uh, for the Olympic team in 2006. I qualified for for the Olympics and uh, was actually able to win our first gold medal in 2006 in Torino, Italy.
1: Wow. And I want to jump more into that, but I I wanted to walk back just a second and let the listeners know, you know, that I think they've picked up already that, you know, you've traveled the world, you've done these things, but I wanted to let them know that you've captured 50, 50 world championships Ninety three US championships and all of these, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, all of these were in the inline days. This was this what had nothing to do with ice, right? It was all inline for those. Yeah, idols, so I right?
2: didn't I didn't even yeah, so I didn't even start ice skating until I was actually twenty six years old.
1: Well, I almost and, got that 27-year-old comment, like, right on the dot. And I did earlier when yeah. I said, you usually don't start something at 27. I had no idea that's when you started. No, so, this was, lucky guess this on was my part. Kinda,
2: this was what was at the end of my career. But because, if you remember, I grew up playing ice hockey. Yep. And so when I put the two together, it meshed really well because I had the initial feel of what skating on the ice was like. And then I had trained my whole life and my body and my stamina and my uh, my power. Everything was there. Everything made sense. I'm not going to say it happened overnight, but within two years, which is kind of really, really fast, uh, I was able to stand on top of the podium after switching That's to cool. a new sport, which was killer. That's awesome, and I would. I'm not going to
1: assume anything either. And you know, I spent a lot of time in skates, both ice and inline skates myself. However, I was never a speed skater. But is it safe to say that when you go from inline to ice and you start doing this, your training, you're you're going to the Olympics, right? The technique is is the same, right? for For the most part, is that safe to say? Or, or talk to me a little bit about just. General technique of skating versus speed skating and regular skating.
2: If you go uh, skate at the park with rollerblades on, you can go for a pretty long distance without really getting tired. But when you go to the ice, it's a little different because your skate is actually inside the surface. It's not on top of the surface. So when you push, there's a lot more power that's required to go and then there's a lot more pressure that's put on your legs because you're actually almost you're in a groove in the ground, basically. Mm-hmm. And so when you push, you're pushing basically against a wall every time, Makes if you sense. will. Yep. That's just a, a visual, right? Yep. And when you're on rollerblades, you're just pushing and your your feet are your feet are semi in the air. Your your wheels are on top of the surface. So sure. you never really get that that. Mm, that that pressure yeah that you get on the ice so i would say ice skating as far as a um, sport is much harder uh physically Mm -hmm. or with your muscles and then i would say the inline skating because the cadence of the pushes you're you're pushing a lot faster it's a lot more of a cardiovascular conditioning and, 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 and improves your stamina Right. And
1: I would have to say, too, and I I think a lot of it is the science of the ice. Right. If you think about it from a hockey perspective, you have to keep a building or ice surface at a certain temperature to where it sets up correctly, because, you know, the the softer the ice, the slower the game is. Right. The harder the ice. Uh, So that's that's kind of like when you zam the ice at the intermission, Usually the game is a little faster because that ice is set up. you got a hard surface, but once it gets all cut up, the, everything starts slowing down a little bit. Probably the spectator doesn't see that, right? But the players feel that in the legs and, and how much they're having to work at what they're doing. Would you agree? Yeah,
2: of course. When the ice gets frosty, it's harder to glide on it. But the thing that a lot of people don't really understand is your muscles aren't as warm. You're, you're having to warm up in a different way you when you get going 30 35 40 miles an hour on the ice you've got this cold air hitting you in the face it's just a completely different completely different animal i always say like you said hey it looks the same but you know and i say it's always like like tennis and racquetball Mm -hmm. like you're hitting the ball against a wall playing racquetball you're hitting it over a net use a tennis racket but they're they're completely different. Exactly. But they look the same, but they're not. When I see
1: this many wins, you know, these championships, these world titles, I have to wonder if you were ever really challenged in and I know you are, right? I'm going to get you to speak about this, but you hear of that many and you're like, what was the competition like? Was You know, (laughs) were were they Chad's equivalent or was there like, were you just head and shoulders above the competition? And the reason I ask that is, like you, I had my son in skates at a very, very early age, like two. So by the time he turned five years old and started playing hockey, he was skating around people like, like they were pylons, right? Because they didn't spend three years in skates before, you know, they they picked up a stick and tried to play hockey. Talk to me about that. Like at that eight-year-old age, were you just like beating people into the ground or were the races actually close for you? Have you been thinking that you may need a little exercise in your daily routine while having a little fun doing it? I may have the solution. Hey, it's Randy Holsey here with Backstage Pass Radio. And about six months ago, I purchased an electric bike from EcoTrick and just thought about using it as a way to kind of get the blood flowing a few days a week. And to my surprise, I find myself on the bike just about every day. Not only am I getting a little exercise each day, but I'm also having a fun time seeing the neighborhood And maybe some areas that I probably would never have seen before I got the bike. Today my family owns four of these EcoTrick bikes and we're looking to add a few more soon. Make sure to check out the link in the description below for more details.
2: No, I I, I skated against great athletes, but I would say that my commitment to what I was doing from a really young age was just off the charts. It was uh, somebody who knew where they were going, had so much fun doing it, and I think the biggest thing was it never felt like I was working hard. It never felt like I was training because I loved it so much. And I think on top of that, I always put so much pressure on myself to be the absolute best. If I were to lose once, I would put so much pressure on myself that it would never happen again. Mm-hmm. And like my dad told me, my dad told me growing up, he was like, not only was second place, the first loser, he said, they may beat you one time, but they're not beating you twice. Yeah, And he was exactly right because I got to a point where I was winning every time and that was normal. But when I lost, something was wrong. Yeah. And I put so much pressure and I put the X on my back every time mm-hmm. I went out there. And I think that's what drove me to be so, so good Makes was sense. that I expected that out of myself every time.
1: And high expectations are not a bad thing. Was any of that instilled in you by mom and dad, or was that just a Chad personality? I, I,
2: It was both. It was both for sure. Okay. But I'll tell you, it wasn't just the race. It was practice. It was everything that I did that revolved around skating and even, even in other sports. I mean, you can't take that mentality from skating and go play another sport and be a, be a pushover, you know, (laughs) same mentality. (laughs) I get it. Yeah. It kind of, it kind of travels well, you know? Yes. Yes. I'd
1: kind of like to like, take a second to to put your caliber of skating into perspective. So I played hockey and I played for many years in line and ice. And I would like to think, this is just me thinking out loud in conversation. If I were to line up against a hundred random people for a race with, and I don't skate much anymore at all. Right. I would have to think that somewhere between Nine, I would probably win, I would beat 97 of those people, right? Just because they weren't at the same level as me. Then I think of some of the people I played with and against, and out of those same 100, I could probably only outskate 20 of those guys from a speed perspective, right? Yep. So you can see how it, it just shifted. Like the random public, I'm beating everybody. When you get to playing with people of your caliber, I'm maybe 20% of them, I can outskate. But I also played hockey with your cousin, Joey, right, for several years. And he's a big guy. Just frame-wise, he was a big guy. He could clearly outskate me from a, a speed perspective. But then... We talk about your caliber of skater is just on another is on another level even from that. And it, it's hard for me to wrap my head around that. And I think it goes back to whether you're skating or a golfer, you know, you might be you might go out and shoot a, a 79 one day. And most people would say, God, Chad, you're you're an amazing golfer. But you know, when you start thinking of the Tiger Woods of the world and whatnot, it's like, God, I suck. Like these guys are on another on another planet. Right. It's it's a crazy thought to me to kind of try to put all that into perspective, the the caliber of athlete. Right.
2: So I'm a, so I'm a big Kobe Bryant fan. Right. Mm -hmm. And he's got a show on, uh, on Netflix. Actually, it's an Olympic, uh, either Olympic or world championship, uh, show where they, they put all the best in the world together. And for some reason, Kobe Bryant wasn't included on the first pass or whatever our first team the a couple of years ago or a couple of years prior to that and they lost and then they asked him to come the following time and they were practicing and then the other 10 or 12 guys would go to a bar or go to a restaurant do this do that like just living like not really a hundred percent committed. Okay. They're there, they're at the top and it's smooth sailing. They would always, I always ask Kobe Bryant to go do this and and go to a bar, go do this. And he would talk about his schedule. And sometimes he woke up at four 30 in the morning, he would train four to five times a day Mm -hmm. while the other players were training twice a day. Yeah. And, that fierce mentality we all know Michael Jordan but Kobe Bryant if I look I remember being like that and going and doing the extra things like I call it the dirty work the stuff that people don't refuse do. to do yep and to, that to, is to be great that yeah extra, absolutely that that extra mile an hour that extra point zero two seconds whatever it is that's what it takes and some people, can do that. And it feels like training. Mm -hmm. And some people do that because they want to crush you. Yeah. And I was the guy that wanted to crush you. (laughs) Yeah.
1: That's a fierce mentality for sure. And, and you, but you have to have it at the elite level. And when you talk about putting in the work that 10th of a second or that one, one hundredth of a second doesn't mean anything to somebody that's at the local roller rink, maybe in a race. But when you get to the Olympic level, that one-tenth or that one-one-hundredth of a second means everything to you, right? And and I've, if, right, would you... Would, I've, got, would you?
2: I've, got, I've got a silver medal right over here. It proves <laughs> it, right? Proves it, right? <laughs> that is 0. .02 seconds Jeez. behind Canada.
1: Yeah. And those are the things that I'm sure you beat yourself completely up over at some point in time that... That two tenths of a second, right?
2: Yeah, ah, two hundredths.
1: Two hundredths of a second.
2: Yeah, okay. um, you know this was a, this was a team event that we were in, so it was like, you know, it was three guys together, but at the same time, I mean, that is like mm. a, a hair. Yes, absolutely. Over <laughs> over a over, a th- over three thousand meters, 0. .02 seconds is a hair.
1: Unbelievable! Unbelievable that the competition is that close for that long of a, of a skate.
2: Yeah, for sure. I was going to,
1: I was going to, I was going to say, we'll talk more a little bit more about the DP technique in a minute, but besides the technique, forget about the DP technique. What makes a skater faster for the most part? Does that question even make sense? I'm not sure if I even phrased the question right, but
2: Ah. Faster faster isn't always faster. Okay. That, I know that's confusing, but to win a race, you don't always have to be the fastest. Okay. You can be the smartest. Okay. Okay. If you're playing another sport, um, there's ways to work around maybe not potentially being the best. Maybe there's a guy in the NFL who's not the fastest, and he's a receiver, but he runs the best routes. Okay or he's you know the guy Peyton Manning may not have the strongest arm but he's a student of the game right okay and so for me when i was racing people i was always much wiser much smarter knew where to be when to be there what position i needed to be with this many laps left you know it was it was more than just speed um, and then when you go and you're racing the clock, obviously you have to be faster as well, uh, as well, but it's all mental strength. So to kind of say that in
1: my own words, that could be, when you say skating smarter, that could be just where you're positioned in a turn, right?
2: Tighter yeah, in no, a turn or be, wider in, in a
1: turn or whatever. You're
2: right? in second place with four laps to go, or you're. You're avoiding the traffic to waste a lot of energy passing and and you know messing around with all the all the other guys in the pack or whatever. Everybody's got their own strategy, but I always knew where to be okay. and when to be there. Sure. And I always knew how to avoid like the the trouble.
1: That makes sense.
2: And so every sport has its own own little thing, you know. Sure. When I look at Peyton Manning, I don't think he's a great, I don't think he's got the strongest arm, but look, I mean, he was one of the best quarterbacks ever. Everybody's got their own little thing that they're great at. But yeah, for me, it's it's not who's the strongest. I mean, there was guys that were way stronger than me that you know what? I'd whoop their tails. Yeah. And I was more efficient. I knew where to be, uh, when to be there. And it's about a lot more than just just going fast. Sure.
1: And you could even talk, when you talk about Wayne Gretzky, somebody like that, if we relate this to an ice hockey conversation, Gretzky was not the fastest skater by, by any stretch of the imagination, but he had a vision of the ice that nobody else had. Instinct. He saw things, the instinct and passing lanes and things like that, that people of his caliber even didn't even see. That's what no. made him so great. I mentioned earlier the DP technique. This is a little bit more technical of a conversation, but I did want to touch on it uh, because I do have a lot of uh, skating friends and a lot of ice hockey buddies that will definitely listen to this. And when I say DP technique, this is short for double push. And for the listeners... The inside edges of the skates is kind of what you know where you would would generate speed in hockey and speed skating. You're kind of angling the skates. If you can picture this in the mind's eye, you're angling kind of in a, a V position. Your feet are in a V position, and the push is is kind of where you're generating the power of the skate. Talk us through the double push, Chad. What does that mean when when somebody like that's just an average Joe skater? Push it, they know they have to push to get the skates going. What does a double push mean in your world?
2: Well, first of all, this isn't anything I created, okay? This was okay. a God-given talent, a God-given ability and, and, and technique that I used. But I really learned how to use my body weight and really um, be able to push with both feet in the same direction at the same time, if that makes sense. It can get very technical for somebody who doesn't understand <laughs> I'm still trying to wrap other. my head
1: around it to be honest with you. And I and I was in skates for many years, right? So I still try to wrap my head around the whole pushing with two feet at one time. It doesn't yeah. logically make sense.
2: Yeah, I mean your body basically goes in a forty-five degree angle whenever you're doing it. So you're pushing to the left, but you're leaning to the right, if that makes any okay. sense at all. Okay. And when you push with both feet at one time rather than one foot at a time, obviously you're creating twice as much power. So the acceleration is absolutely off the charts. Um, but you know, I don't want to sit here and confuse everybody. Sure. I can tell you this, this was a natural way that I skated. And a lot of times people used it as a crutch to overlook my work ethic. Mm-hmm. And um, Never at, times, at times it's really frustrating for me. Mm-hmm. Because I know I know the work that I put into my craft, and I know from 16 months old, I know I know how many times I've been around that roller rink, and I know how many miles I've skated, and I know how many you know I know everything that's behind it.
1: Sure, sure. And well, so, has it been adopted though? Like, have people started to use that? Or, yeah, there's,
2: or there's books all over the world of people that are speed skaters. That books and videos. There's countless. Countless videos. I mean, wow. you can go on to YouTube and type in "double push," and you'd be amazed at what you can find.
1: Wow, were you ever able to benchmark just how much faster the double push made you versus a conventional push? Like, were you, did you ever say, "Okay, I'm going to skate a 500 meter with just a conventional push, and then I'm going to double push, and I what's don't, the time I don't difference?" Know any other way. Okay, you don't. Okay, I, I don't literally, you don't. Okay gotcha i can
2: tell you this if you didn't skate with that technique you're not gonna win that's how i'm that's how much better okay
1: i I take your word for it i just didn't know maybe you haven't gone out and benchmarked that but i was just wondering if maybe you've heard of somebody else that's ever you know tried to figure out how much more effective that double push really is from a time perspective like how much time are you shaving off of a a race? You know, is it one second? Is it seven seconds? Like, I don't, like, I don't know. I was trying to wrap my head around that.
2: Look, I, I have like analogies for sports a lot. As you can tell, I'm already talking about a bunch of different sports. Everybody's got their own way to swing a bat. Everybody's got Absolutely. their own way to swing a golf club. Everybody does it their own way. If you can figure out your way and you can work harder than everybody else, it'll work. I agree with you there. Were most of the tight, most of your titles,
1: and I don't know about speed skating. I know more in the, when you got to the Olympic level, it was all pretty much long distance. When you were coming up, like, you know, eight years old, was it all, was any of it kind of what we might know as short track or shorter distance? Or was it always, were you always a long distance skater?
2: So I would, I was always a middle to long distance skater. So anywhere from, you know, one mile to, Heck, twenty-six mile marathons. I would go race marathons in in Europe and Asia. Growing up, from the time I was eighteen until uh, twenty-six or so, I was going every third or fourth weekend, traveling Good. to uh, you know while my friends were having house parties at high school, I was traveling all over the world. It was a crazy life. Wow. I didn't go to my I didn't go to my homecoming. I didn't go to my prom. I didn't do a lot of stuff, and that's. That's what's frustrating, knowing the stuff that I skipped to be the best, and everybody's saying it's only because of the way that you skated. That's why it's frustrating to me.
1: But um, would you would you change that for anything now, like knowing what you know, right?
2: Uh, I have people that come up to me often, and they say, Chad, we had no idea what you were doing in high school, but now we wish we would have been doing it with you. Right. <laughs> Got it. So, yeah, it's it's gratifying. Yeah.
1: Talk briefly about your relationship with uh, six-time Olympic medal recipient Derek Para.
2: Yeah, so I grew up and, and skated with Derek quite a bit on inline skates. He was always, uh, I think he's six, eight years older than me, I believe. And uh, he was always the guy that that I had to beat to be the best. And obviously, I've won, won quite a bit he won some races as well but he uh he left early to go and and chase an olympic olympic gold and he was able to win there in in 2002 in salt lake city after making that switch and quite honestly it was the reason that I was enlightened that this was possible and most importantly i just wanted to tell people what i did and i wanted them to understand it They had never seen inline skating on TV. They had no clue what it was. Right. But they watched the Olympics. And overnight, when I won that gold medal, in just six minutes and 14 seconds, overnight, people knew what I did. And I could tell them that I was an Olympic gold medalist. It was awesome.
1: That is a pretty cool story because there's, you know, out of 10,000 people, how many can say that they were, you know, an Olympic champion? I mean, in the Olympics for that matter, right? Let alone a medalist in the Olympics. Now you competed in 2006 and 2010, yeah. 2006, they were held in Turin, Torino, right? Italy, Torino, yeah. right. Outside of Milan. Yeah. Right. And then in 2010, they were held in Vancouver. Talk to the listeners a little bit about the Olympic experience in general and maybe give us just a high level, the 50,000 foot view of a day in the life in the Olympic village. Right. Because a lot of us will never be in the Olympics or never even come close from an athlete perspective. We might buy a ticket and sit in the stands, but that's that's about it. But can you speak to that from a high level? What was a day in the life like for Chad Hedrick?
2: it's a It's a very unique situation. You've got athletes that have committed their whole life in all different sports all in one area. So the conversations that are had, the friendships that are built, even the idols, some of the people that you really look up to that are with some of the larger sports, they're just Olympians with you now, yes. I remember having lunch with Sidney Crosby, who is, you know, one of the best hockey players uh, currently, maybe it could be at one point of all time. And I realized that these guys are, they're just like us. Yeah. They just love what they do. They work hard. They're, they're the best at what they do. And it's time for them to represent their country and just super, super cool experience. The energy that's involved going in opening ceremonies and feeling, feeling that feeling that I I really feel like part of the reason that I won an Olympic gold medal was because, um, that race was the night or was the night after I walked in opening ceremonies. I was on a high that couldn't, it, it could not be resisted. Uh, it was, it was an unbelievable experience. And one that I wish I could have every bottle, year. It,
1: bottle it up oh, and have yeah. it have a little energy drink from it from no doubt, time to man. time. <laughs> I, mean, I,
2: mean, I, like, I, I always say, okay, and you're a big musician, all you guys are musicians. Let's say you take your favorite band, yeah, you and get you're to at play the with front them, row, yeah, you're at the front row and they're jamming, and you're like, everything's tingling, mm-hmm. and you're like, man, I can't believe that I'm here. This... Band rocks,
1: yeah, right.
2: Well, times that by five, and that's where I was at.
1: Well, I was gonna say, if you took your analogy one step further, right? Imagine being in the front row of that Led Zeppelin concert, and then all of a sudden they say, Chad, come on up and jam with us. That's like winning yeah. the medal, like that solidifies the whole thing. That's yeah. crazy. that's, that's got to be a crazy experience. You picked up. What was it? Three medals in Torino, yeah. two in Vancouver. Briefly talk to the listeners about the different events that you you medaled in. Some were really much much shorter races, but some were really long races. Talk to them about the five medals and what you you won them in.
2: Yeah, so I, I really trained specifically for three different races, um, but over the, those two Olympics, I actually skated five different races. So. It was challenging because, as you would imagine, there's different training for different distances, different types of whether you're doing explosive jumps or whether you're lifting a lot of weights or you're doing really long bike rides to get as lean as possible because you're doing long distance. Uh, A lot of the races just require different types of training. Mm -hmm. So for me, I was able to do really good in the long-distance races, which were more, more of my specialty, but I would say my biggest, my biggest accomplishment was actually in a sprint race that I had skated probably six or eight times in my life. And they put me in at the Olympics. I didn't specialize in that event whatsoever. And I was actually able to get a bronze medal in a race that I don't even skate. So it'd be like, You know, Usain Bolt trying to do a mile run. It's just he's not physically supposed to do that. He doesn't train to do that. And if he went out there and did a mile and was able to get a bronze medal, uh, it would be an absolute miracle. Yeah, sure. And so leaving the Olympics, although I didn't win and I hated getting third, um, it was an absolute incredible incredible accomplishment for me personally
1: what race was that that you're speaking of
2: the 2010 uh that 1000 meter
1: okay yeah and for the listeners the uh and you correct me if I'm wrong the the uh the 1000 meters is basically a two and a half lap
2: race well, correct me, just my track my track was a school track just made of ice Okay. So, you got two laps is 800 meters, and another half, there you go, with a thousand meter. And it's really just full out, 100% for two and a half laps. And, um, you know, you're going 40, 42 miles an hour. There's your eyes are semi frozen, your legs for the last lap are absolutely on fire it is a really really challenging race and it's one that really tests your technique because you're the intensity is so high that at the end it's almost like you just can't control your legs you're just like kind of flailing about (laughs)
1: let me in my own words try to put this in perspective for the listeners so we we talked about a thousand meters two and a half laps of a A high school foot, uh, you know, a high school track. Right. Imagine that. And then there is. uh, And first of all, I'll preface this by saying I get tired walking to the top of my stairs. Right. Um, So when you talk about the the 10,000 meters was the 10,000 meters. Did you ever medal in that or did you ever skate? I can't remember exactly. Yeah, so yeah.
2: so the last day of the 2006 Winter Olympics, I got a silver medal in the 10,000. Okay. Meters.
1: It was the 10,000 meters. So that's 25 laps around the track.
2: Yeah, 6.2 miles. Jesus
1: Christ. Wow.
2: Just to let, just to let y'all know, in, um, in 2008, I became the first person to skate ten thousand meters in under thirteen minutes. Unbelievable! So that, tells, that tells you how long it is.
1: Chad, I mean, you know, most people pant walking walking around a track twenty five times, let alone sprinting around a track twenty five times. I mean, there's a there's a big difference in the two, right? <laughs> that has to put into you know, that has to put in perspective the amount of training that had to have gone into this and maybe you don't think much about it like it was second nature to you you were the athlete but for the non-elite athlete that's that's just amazing it's hard to wrap your head around that caliber of athlete whether it's badminton or ping pong or tableton whatever they call it curling whatever i mean that level is just amazing to me
2: you know what's harder to fathom that I was born in Houston, Texas, yeah, where,
1: where there isn't even any ice, right? <laughs> Imagine that! Imagine that. Well, sometime between Torino and Vancouver, you marry Lindsay, yeah. you start a family. Two thousand what? Eight, two thousand nine, somewhere around there.
2: Uh, yeah, two 2000- thousand. Nine
1: okay, yo, oh, yeah, I was gonna say you don't have to answer because if you get it wrong and she hears this no, podcast, that's no, not gonna be a I good was,
2: thing, right? I was thinking my, my first uh first child Hadley was actually in the stands that she was nine months old, kind of in the stands during the Vancouver Olympics, okay? So, yeah. All right,
1: so three kids now, you're living north of Houston and you get into real estate. Why real estate for Chad Hedger? How did the transition? happened? Why not, you know, you go into sales, why not car sales? Why not technology sales? Why was it real estate for you?
2: Well, let me just tell you this. First of all, it wasn't seamless. Okay. I failed many times. I got done skating. I didn't have a college degree. I'd put everything into what I did. And so I came back quite honestly, when everybody's putting microphones in your face, everybody's wanting to hear every word that you say. And then you come home and your your days your days passed. The minute after a couple months of the Olympics, after the after a couple months of the Olympics pass, you're a normal guy again.
0: Yeah. What I always next, looked right? at myself
2: as a normal guy anyway? But nobody cares about what you say anymore. You're naturally have an entitled attitude. You think everybody wants wants to be a part of what you're doing mm-hmm. and you quickly realize that that bubble that you were in that you thought everybody gave a crap.
1: It's not that uh, when, right. when
2: you get home, that bubble popped. Yeah. So I went into the oil and gas business. When I got home, I failed with that. I started my own uh, skating business. I failed with that. And I had to really go through some tough times. And I think this is really common for athletes, not just athletes that make millions of dollars, but just athletes like myself who made a great living for themselves and reached the top but don't have that money like, hey, <laughs> I don't have to work again, right? Yep. That wasn't my case. So I had to go and find a real job. And the only thing that I could figure out is that I knew a lot of people. Yeah. And along the way, uh, one thing kept sticking in my head. Was that everybody either has a home or wants a home? Yes. Okay. So I jumped in in 2016. I'm on my seventh year in real estate. We have a team of 10 called the Gold to Sold Group here in the Woodlands. And uh, we've served over 150 families this last year. And it's been absolutely incredible. It's awesome. And let me tell you this. The most incredible thing about the whole thing was this guy from Texas who won races from eight years old all the way until he retired at 32, who always showed no weakness, had very few relationships that were meaningful, was always trying to get an edge on anybody to win a gold medal. I manipulated a lot of people. I was a borderline alcoholic. I was a womanizer. All of these things were going on whenever I was an athlete. And when I got done, I got put into a profession where I can use my work ethic. There's no doubt about that. But it's a relationship business. Sure it is. So the lack of skills that I had in relationship building because of my, my gift that was given to me, I didn't need anybody. Mm -hmm. It was a gift and a curse. Sure. But my therapy today is that I have relationships with people because God has placed me in real estate. And every day I wake up to nurture and create relationships to help people. And how cool is that?
1: I love the story, man. And I'll tell you why I love the story. You, you may not realize this, but you and I are basically poured out of the same mold. And I say that, you know, we're both hockey guys. We're both skaters. You, I probably worked at the guitar a little bit more than you, but we're both exactly. aspiring musicians, right? And I'm also in sales for a living. I sell technology, and that's what I've done. I went from an engineer, from a technical guy, into the sales side of the business. And I've been in the sales side for about 17 years now. And I agree a thousand percent. What I do, I'm not the smartest guy out there. I don't know all the technology, but I have relationships and I have a way of building a relationship that I think some could only dream of. And my wife always, Terry always says, we never go anywhere where you don't know somebody or you can talk to anybody. And I think that that's a talent, you know, or not a talent, but I think that's a gift, right? You're either an extrovert that can create relationships or you can't. So I share that with you to say that I get it. I get your story a thousand percent. And I like, you know, you humble yourself. Like it's like, it's hard to say those things about yourself. I failed at this. I failed at that. Borderline alcoholic. Not, not many people want to admit those things. They only want people to see the good things, but Sometimes there's an old saying you got to go through hell before you get to heaven, right? And I think you've oh. you've you've experienced that. You just said it in your own words, right?
2: No doubt. And let me tell you, I always used to see people that were successful at what they did. And when I got to the top, it changed my perspective on who I thought those people were because I knew just like sit at lunch with Sidney Crosby. He was just like me. I knew that Michael Jordan, he's famous. One of the most famous athletes in the world. He's just a real person that's sure. got real problems. Yep. I experienced real problems, and I think everybody needs to hear that. We're so fixated on this, this idle mentality, people with money, people with power, have perfect lives, and you know what? It couldn't be any further from the truth. I, I think probably my worst year professionally, financially, was actually one of my best.
1: Yeah because you learned something, you learned a lesson from that, right? That you didn't ever want to be there again, right? Yeah, and Financially. I,
2: that, and and I'll never be there again and because of that.
1: That's a great, that's a great mindset. And in sales, you know, as well as I do, we're going to have up years, we're going to have down years, but if you have that mentality, you know, you can't help but succeed in some way you can't help but succeed. And I was going to say real quick, I I love, you know, the tagline for the real estate business, gold to sold. Did you come up with that? Can you take credit for that? Or did somebody else give you the idea?
2: It was actually, um, originally it was from gold to sold, but we, uh, my wife came up with the whole thing and we changed it to gold to sold group. Believe it or not, like even starting out in real estate, I had magazines and and radio shows and stuff wanting to talk to me about my transition into real estate only because of my name. Okay. Only because of the name of my company. Sure. Right. <laughs> and because it was so unique. Yeah, right? I love it. Yeah. It's fantastic And so uh yeah, it's it's been incredible. We're we are doing really well. But when I look, when I look at my business, the most fulfilling thing is that there's people that work around me mm-hmm. and what we're building as a group is providing for many many families. That's awesome. And I couldn't be happier about yeah. it.
1: Well, you kind of went from a an I mentality to a, a a we mentality, right? As a as a skater, you're kind of an individual contributor there. And in sales a lot of times we are individual contributors, but you said it best, you know, you're part of a great real estate group and you can't you you can't work in something and be successful without a great team of people behind you, even though you might be the facing person for that client there's still a lot of stuff that goes on in the back office that has to happen right
2: oh man a lot yeah, yeah. A lot and
1: that invited. that can be a whole nother follow up podcast we can talk about the whole gory details of, of real estate but tell me real quick what your group do you guys specialize in a certain in this I'm not a real estate guy, so I preface my question yeah. by by saying so, this. Well, but we, but but do you guys focus on commercial, residential? Like, what do you focus on in the gold? Design yeah,
2: we group? we we focus on residential real estate. Okay. So, um, anywhere from like Interloot all the way to uh, probably Huntsville. Okay. Uh, we've got a team of ten so we've uh we've got a pretty big pretty big area to cover but like i said we we served 150 families this year and uh and nearly doubled our business over the past 12 months so we're very very excited uh to be able to continue to grow and uh yeah if, if there's anything anybody out there that's looking for some help uh we'd love to be able to to help out, I am I'm, I'm guarantee you that you'll have a, a great experience with us.
1: Tell the listeners, or what can you tell us about the Chad Hedrick Foundation?
2: Uh, the Chad Hedrick Foundation, over the past 15 years, uh, we've raised over half a million dollars for Special Olympics. We've done work with uh, specific um, uh, officers from HPD and the Sheriff's Department. Done work with United Way, and we've also uh, done some work for a uh, foster care organization called Love Fosters Hope. Okay, man, it's always good to give back, it really is. It's not just a a saying either, um, because when you really realize that pumping yourself up does nothing internally that it's not a fulfilling once once you understand that that's not who you are anymore and you come to the realization that the world the world's about something way beyond yourself and when you learn that and i didn't know that for a long time Once you get there, uh you'll never go back. So the lives that you're able to impact through your hard work, through the gifts that you're given, through a lot of things, uh changing lives is is wonderful.
1: I agree with you. And I and I think sometimes it, you know, it just takes some a little longer than others to mature in that thought process. And
2: um, uh you 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 could be fifty-eight, you could be thirty-two like me, you could be sixteen. I don't some people mature quicker than others some people have a realization of who they are quicker sure. heck I knew I knew I wanted to be the world's fastest skater at eight years old there wasn't a lot of people that thought that you know but it doesn't matter how old you are there's a time and a place I agree and you know what given to those less fortunate, is definitely ranks right at the top.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think you might've mentioned this earlier, but where can the listeners find the real estate group online? If they wanted to go look up the company, where would they find you?
2: Yeah, you can go to goldtosold.com. That's our website. Or you can call me at uh, 866-383-GOLD. Perfect. Chad, listen, thanks so much
1: for being here and chatting with me. Uh, I know we've been kind of back and forth trying to figure all this out, but I really appreciate the time. It's been a pleasure to go off topic, uh, you know, from music and, and talk about a world that so many, especially here in the South, don't know much about, right? Ice, skating this and skating that. It's just not, you know, everything's football and baseball, as you well know. But yeah. uh, I think it's a, a a great conversation, and and I think even more so, it it paints a picture that you know it, there there is life after life okay. after certain things, right? And, and in your case, you know, uh, being a world champion and going into a whole new line of work, and you're successful doing that. That's kind of what the podcast is all about—just painting a, a positive message, and you know. I, I, it's a great story, man. I appreciate you sharing it with, with yeah. me and the listeners.
2: Well, it was wonderful chatting with you, and I uh, certainly appreciate your time as well. I'll, I'll check out the show in the future.
1: Yeah, for sure. As always, I ask the listeners to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. Also, make sure to follow Chad on all his social media outlets, including goldtosoul.com. You can find us on Facebook at Backstage Pass Radio Podcast, on Instagram at Backstage Pass Radio, Twitter at Backstage Pass PC, and on the website at BackstagePassRadio.com. Thank you all for tuning into the show, and we'll see you right back here on the next episode of Backstage Pass Radio.
0: Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Backstage Pass Radio. Make sure to follow Randy on Facebook and Instagram at Randy Halsey Music and on Twitter at R Halsey Music. Also, make sure to like, subscribe, and turn on alerts for upcoming podcasts. If you enjoyed the podcast, make sure to share the link with a friend and tell them Backstage Pass Radio is the best show on the web for everything music. We'll see you next time right here on Backstage Pass Radio.